the next morning I woke up, I came in with a smile on my face. I bought breakfast for everybody. And, uh, I gave them my, I was like, today is my last day. And, uh, it was a smart and dumb decision. Cause then I was, it was do or die. I went to Mexico for like a week with my girl and then came back and like had to figure this whole thing out. And then basically the next two years were just a journey of ups and downs until I met my business partner. Welcome back to the Started Somewhere podcast. I'm your host, Ross Alex. Now today, my friends, we are on episode number 12, and I have a really special guest joining us from Houston, Texas. His name is Derek Acuff. Now, I personally know Derek. In fact, six or seven years ago, I actually served tables with him while I was just getting started in my real estate business. Funny enough, he pursued the same path. Derek's now investing, wholesaling, and helping people get started in their real estate business. In this episode, he shares with us the ups, the downs, the challenges, and of course, the juicy stuff. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Derek, man, welcome to the show. How you doing, bro? I'm doing good, doing good. Staying in the house, staying clean, but uh, you know we're we're doing all right down here. What about yourself, dude? Quarantine, just like uh, just like we were talking about. You know, it's crazy. I wonder how many episodes I can get through because we're on episode eight right now, and I've been dropping awesome. like two or three a week. How many episodes can we get through before this quarantine is over? Hopefully, I- not, hopefully not a lot. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I was gonna say. I don't know if you keep putting them out at that rate, at least like fifteen or twenty. Oh man, I, I know. We were just talking um, off off air about everything that's going on, and I mean, it's just crazy how you you can't even go to the store without having anxiety and fully, you know, protecting your face and your hands. I mean, it's it's crazy so and that's up here I, I what's it going down uh what's going on down in texas man tell me like how is it in the community over there so in texas i mean it's pretty much the same uh it's weird because it's kind of a a uh a remembering of like post harvey you know and I, I think you were here when that happened and uh just how like the whole city is shut down it's just weird now that the entire world is affected the same with harvey it was kind of just here in houston uh, but, you know, for a couple months, a lot of businesses were shut down. We couldn't go to places. We were locked in our house. Um, so it kind of feels like that. So, you know, week three, I think we're in right now. It's the, the new normal is weird. Uh, I slept in late today, went, woke up and went back to bed. And, you know, now I'm working on a few things. We've got a couple properties, you know, things that we're looking at. But uh, it's weird, man. The, the new normal is weird right now. And I'm definitely ready for my regular schedule, you know, having the family in the house and and the little one. And, uh, you know, we're still in a smaller apartment while we're working on our house. It's just, uh, it's a lot in a smaller space right now. Mm. <laughs> so the new normal is weird. It, it definitely is, man. And, and I really am just hoping with everything I have that sooner than later, we will get back to life as we know it. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's just, it's, it, it's just crazy. Um, you know, like you said, Typically, when things happen, tragedies happen, you know, natural disasters, it's isolated to a certain area. You hear about in other countries, you know, this happened in Rome, this happened in Beijing, this happened in Sydney, this happened in Los Angeles. Like Los Angeles deals with fires, right? All the time, California. And you hear about it and you're like, you know, your heart breaks for, you know, the people that are going through that. But in your area, you know, very rarely are we, are you affected, um, you know? But I mean, this is the entire world. 
and yeah. everybody's going through it. You know, what we're doing here right now on this quarantine, they're doing in Europe. They're doing mm-hmm. in, in Asia. So it's just, it's crazy that, you know, this is, this is happening, but. Anyways, man, Derek, bro, uh, really excited to have you on the show. We've been connected for probably, I don't know, four years now, five years, something like that. Yeah, yeah, I'd say around four and a half, five years now. Four and a half, uh, five years. Time's flying. It does fly, dude. It does fly. (laughs) And uh, for the listeners out there, Derek and I actually used to work together at uh, a restaurant in Houston where we served tables at the same place man do you remember those days yeah unfortunately (laughs) right (laughs) especially especially more so like what we were talking about with people being quarantined and i think they were the first people to be cut out of jobs Mm. and just being in that industry and knowing how i would say poorly people manage their money and live paycheck to paycheck uh it's a little scary to even think about uh you know even being in that position now but it also seems so real because it seems like it was yesterday right yeah um you know, a lot has changed and um, you're not at the restaurant anymore. I'm not at the restaurant anymore. So you've been up to some big things. Uh, tell the people out there that don't know who you are, what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Derek Acuff. I'm here in Houston Market. Uh, I am a real estate investor. Um, weird, I guess you could say kind of an influencer. I just kind of share my story online. Uh, it's flipping a house, you know, across, you know, TikTok, Instagram, all those platforms. But I just share my journey. Uh, I don't consider myself a guru, maybe more so a guru where I'm actually in the business. I just kind of show you guys what I'm doing. Mm. Uh, a lot of a lot of times what works and even more so a lot of times what doesn't work, um, you know, because as entrepreneurs, we have to learn lessons uh, a little bit differently. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in the real estate space. I flip homes. Uh, we do a little bit of wholesaling. Uh, I've started purchasing rentals. And we're also looking at getting into some uh, land acquisitions and Airbnb as well. So uh, I've been doing that, you know, since we met, you know, you kind of helped me along my journey as well. And, uh, you know, four years later, I'm full-time real estate investor and, uh, you know, we're doing multiple deals a month. I have three flips going right now. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing with the whole market, but, uh, you know, we're still pushing along. Mm. So for you in real estate right now, it's business as usual. When it comes mm-hmm. to flipping and buying and um, I mean, that's awesome to hear because there's a lot of uncertainty in the market right now, uh, you know, just all over with mm-hmm. what's going to happen, you know, where things are going in the real estate market, especially, uh, but also with Wall Street and unemployment rates going up. So what do you think, uh, you know, over the next couple of months, what do you think we're going to be seeing, man? Gotcha. Uh, well, I mean, I've, I've talked to a lot of people, a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me. And uh, I don't think anybody truly has the answer because this is something that, you know, we've never seen. I do think, you know, being in places like Houston and New York, where there's a lot of money and a lot of industry, I think things will bounce back rather quickly. But also for us, you know, we stay in a lower price point. And regardless of what happens, you know, if the market does shut down or whatever, people that live in $300,000 homes are now going to live in $200,000 homes. Rarely do you see more people, do you see people buying more expensive homes? They usually go down. Uh, so, you know, for us, we're just staying in our lane and, you know, that lower price point. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I think regardless, depending on how long this thing goes, it could get a lot worse. And I know we're starting to see, you know, mortgage forbearances and mortgage companies trying to work with people, you know, as me having 
I only have two rentals right now, but even with that, I mean, luckily my tenants are still paying rent, but if they were to stop, you know, there's other options that, you know, I may have to look at, but, um, you know, I don't think anybody has the full answer. I think, you know, if you buy right, I think that'll be the one thing, uh, you know, that keeps you sane and sleeping at night is, uh, you know, you know, when you buy in real estate, when you make your money, when you buy. So mm. I think that's, that's the most important thing is to make sure you buy a good product. Dude, that that's really powerful, man. I, I 1000% agree. You definitely make money in real estate on the buy side, which is a big misconception for a lot of people, right? A lot of people think that you're making your money when you, when you sell the property, but if you're not buying it right, you're going to lose money or it's just going to be a push and you break even, you know, best case scenario. Uh, and, and another thing, man, just going back to what you said, being at the lower price point, you know, of the market, you know, I think that we're going to be okay. I do. I, I totally agree there. Um, I'm a bottom market flipper myself. I don't touch anything over 200K ARV. So for me, the houses that I sell renovated, you can't build a house for that for cheaper than that, right? And everybody needs a place to live. So either they're going to be renting or people are still going to go out there and get mortgage, take advantage of the rates that are out there right now. And they're still going to buy houses. Plus the industry, uh, you know, especially down in Houston, the blue collar workers that buy, you know, typically 200,000, $250,000 houses are essential workers, right? They're still, Mm -hmm. they're still working. They're still making their money. So, um, I think, I think we're going to be okay, man. I do. Um, but are you taking any precautions right now in your own business? Just because yeah. of that uncertainty? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uncertain times, I think uh, a lot of times, you know, the market's been so good. People act like, I think it's uh, the Tillman Fertitta is like, uh, he talks about getting spanked on the ass, right? Like people aren't preparing, right? When things are good, they're they're spending a lot. They're buying things that they don't need. Uh, one thing that me and my business partner have been really good at, uh, you know, over, well, since we pretty much got together is keeping things lean, right? We don't have a big uh, office space. A bunch of company lease cars. We don't have a bunch of employees. You know, we run pretty virtual. And uh, there were some things that we were about to start doing, bringing on people with higher, uh, you know, salaries and things of that sort. But we kind of halted on that till the market turns around. Uh, you know, instead of putting a lot of money into new data, because you know, uh, which we talk about, uh, you know, maybe later on, we do a lot of marketing. And so we've kind of just been going through our old data. Uh, just using everything that we've used, you know, over the last three years, because a lot of those people that were willing to sell uh, are they're going to be more eager now. Right. Maybe more open to creative things of that nature. So we're definitely still making changes. But, you know, we run pretty lean as it is. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think that's very important. And I think it's going to be a big reality check for a lot of these large corporations or, uh, you know, I buyers and, you know, other big wholesalers that may have these big offices and expenses that are really going to you know, add up, especially if you don't have deals coming, because we have started to see deal flow slow down a little bit. You know, we're still marketing. I think we got three leads in this morning by the time I even woke up. So, you know, things are still moving. However, uh, it has slowed. And, you know, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't affecting Mm. us a little bit. Interesting, man. Um, I I like what you said there. Keep it lean. Right. Keep it lean. You said you don't have an office. Um, I, I can relate. Six years, six and a half years in the business, I, I I think I had an office once that I went to like twice. 
And that was it. That was it, man. Uh, what's your opinion on Office Space? Oh, I, I think uh, you know it depends, right? I, I have some friends that they're in the same market. You know, we do around the same amount of deals, and they come from a corporate setting, right? And they like going into an office and having employees and stuff. For me, I'm a lazy person, right? I'm gonna just be honest. Uh, <laughs> I know my weaknesses and my strengths. So for me to drive somewhere to an office, I'm going to be bored there. Um, I, I have no motivation. I don't want employees that I have to manage because I hate checking up on adults to make sure that they're working. Um, it's just not for me, right? So I just we just learned over the last couple of years that we need to build our business around our personality. And for me, it just doesn't suit my personality. I look at those other expenses such as offices and things of that. I could just dump that money into internet marketing or more long-term forms that are going to give me a better return rather than having an office Mm. and just saying, just to say I have an office. Um, And, you know, we do a lot of free events and stuff like that. And my friends that have offices, I can just use their office to host those events. So, you know, it works for everybody. So it's just, it doesn't really fit my personality. And I think it's a big expense, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, do you work from home? Like home office? Home. Yeah, I do have a home office. Like I said, we're still in our apartment and uh, it kind of has me in the corner. So right now the uh, the apartment, the whole place is my office. And then, uh, like I said, we have a house that we just bought. Uh, it's kind of a fixer upper. So I'm just renting it out while I do repairs. And um, I'll finally have an actual office so I can start. Uh, you know, I want to do a podcast and, you know, just creating more content, just having my own space because my, my wife and my little one are definitely getting tired of me working everywhere. <laughs> and I got papers everywhere, receipts, you mm. know how it is. Hey, man, dude, I, I agree. Uh, uh, that was me um, for like the last three or four years. <laughs> I just actually recently got uh, we, we moved because I, I live in an apartment as well. And we moved Nicole and I moved into a two bedroom with an office. And gotcha. I had like an office. I went out, bought the whole desk thing, you know, and the furniture and whatnot. Uh, you know, it was definitely, it was definitely nice, right? To have like your own space. But, you know, for the, before that, I was doing the same thing, man. Kitchen table, wherever I could, wherever I could fit, you know? Um, yeah. You got to do what you got to do. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when it comes to the office thing, bro, again, man, like with what we do, right? I mean, with what we do in real estate, being that real estate is such an in the field position. We're always out. We're always touring property. We're always walking deals. We're in the car. We're on the go. I mean, it's just as easy to pop into a Starbucks and pop open your laptop and get work done versus just driving to your office. I mean, I'm not going to knock it. I know a lot of people like it, but again, it's just, it's not, it's never been for me uh, as well. So. Interesting. And I'm curious out there for the listeners, uh, let us know. Do you prefer an office or do you prefer more the virtual setting working, you know, at Starbucks and coffee shops and whatnot? But, uh, dude, so you bought a house and you're actually renovating it to live in it with your family. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Currently, That's awesome. It's man. about. Congratulations, yeah, it's about- bro. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's about five minutes away from our apartment. My mother-in-law lives in the same neighborhood. Uh, it actually, it was just a lead from a buddy. We knew we couldn't flip it and make a lot of money. So he was like, I know you're looking for a personal residence. You know, I went in, built rapport with the guy. And uh, yeah, he was happy to sell to us because he, it was his best friend's house that they were renovating. So um, 
you know, he wanted to see it go to a family rather than somebody just come in and make a profit off of it. So, you know, just built that rapport and yeah, it's going to be a project. We've been working on it on the weekends and, uh, it should be a fun journey, but you know, at least now we have a space for the next three to five years. And so, you know, it's not our forever home, but it's definitely serves a place because I'm tired of moving Mm. every year or two with apartments because I don't mind living in an apartment. People, you make, you put in an email and people fix whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Um, but when we look at the values and where I live, it's probably better to just go ahead and make that investment because I'm at the point where I need a three bedroom and the prices that they're charging, it just makes more sense to buy a house. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's an interesting conversation and, and it's a hot topic, right? Do you rent an apartment? Do you rent a house? Do you buy a house? What do you do, right? A lot of people out there uh, have different opinions on that topic. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the Grand Cardone approach personally, like you should rent where you live and, uh, you know, rent out what you own. Uh, that just fits me. I do like the fact that you can just send an email to maintenance and have them change like a light bulb or if something breaks down, you don't have to worry about it. But I also recognize that when it comes to apartment living, when you need more space, it's hard to find that in apartment buildings, Mm -hmm. right? Even apartment, you know, three bedrooms, you're still limiting yourself to what, 1,500 square feet max? Mm-hmm. Unless you're, you yeah. know, going into higher brackets. Whereas if you're buying a house or even renting a house, you can get up in the 2000s, the 3000s, have multiple bedrooms, so on and so forth. So, yeah, man. But, uh, you know, congratulations, bro. I think that's awesome, man. And I know real estate has definitely allowed you to do these things, to be full time, to get out of that job that you were working. Uh, but I'm curious, man, why real estate? Yeah, I think it's it's interesting. And if, if I take it back, I'm going to run through my childhood really quick. But, you know, for me, I grew up in East Tennessee on a farm and uh, doing a lot of things. You know, my grandparents came from, you know, the Great Depression. And if you've ever met anybody from that generation, they're hustlers regardless. And so growing up, I didn't have a typical childhood. I remember age nine, I was working a chainsaw cutting down trees for, you know, $200 uh, because I found out that I could just make my own money and do what I want with it. And I was just so like, it it just blew my mind that I could have that power. Right. And so growing up, I, I, my grandpa was always having me do those things, you know, cut the trees in the summer, make some money, resell the wood in the winter, uh, pick up cans, save it for two months, go sell that off. Um, I used to flip phones in high school on eBay uh, when they were the big, you know, when PDAs first came out and I would buy a couple broken ones and, you know, maybe sell one and make a hundred dollars. And I just, I was addicted to that. Um, You know, but I still went the traditional route, went to college. And then, uh, you know, when I was in high school, I used to always visit Houston. My dad lived here. And uh, when I was 17, I met uh, a millionaire for the first time and the dude, he was really like a hundred millionaire, like just stupid, like the the richest person I've ever met probably till this day. Um, And basically I was at, I went to visit, met him for the first time. And while I was there, uh, they were doing some real estate transactions. And um, basically it was the first time that I ever heard you didn't have to go to college to be successful. And it kind of like blew my mind because I'd never heard that in the 17 years that I'd been on this earth. I was always taught that, you know, people with money were bad people and, you know, uh, they had bad intentions and these were normal guys. They were just telling me these things just because, um, but either way, you know, that day kind of changed my life. And I realized at that point I needed to move to Houston 
Um, so when I went back home, uh, you know, I finished my last year of high school and then I saved for a year. And, uh, you know, at 19, I packed up my car uh, with a thousand dollars and just moved from, you know, East Tennessee to Houston. And um, I still was going to college. You know, it took me five years to get a two year degree. Um, you know, I paid my way through college, which I'm happy because I don't have student loan debt. But what it also taught me is like, I didn't really care for school, right? It took me that long to get a two year degree. I just, I hated school. Um, and so a buddy, I'd been doing network marketing and other little hustles. And a buddy of mine was like, I heard this on the radio. We can go to the seminar, you know, learn real estate. And, uh, you know, I went and I was jazzed up and, you know, they were selling mentorship. I tried to do it. Didn't work. And, uh, yeah, I just, I had the bug. I found out about this thing called wholesaling. And then, uh, I just kind of studied for a while. I figured I would take, you know, two years off of school because that's what I needed to finish my degree. And, um, I was like, I'm going to make this work. If it doesn't work, I can always go back to school. And, uh, yeah, that was four years ago, five years ago when I went to that seminar, four years ago since I've been active. But, um, you know, that's just kind of like a little background. And I think in between there was when I started, when I went to that seminar was around when I started, I met you, you know, met your girl and, uh, you know, you guys kind of helped guide me and just, you know, as I went along, you know, if I had questions and things like that, but, uh, it's just been a, a long journey, but if I had to, you know, say where it started, it was definitely my childhood and, you know, doing those things with my grandpa from a young age. Wow, man. Um, Sounds like you have a really interesting come up, you know, cutting down trees with chainsaws. I, I don't even know how to turn on a chainsaw. I'd probably cut my own leg off, honestly. But, uh, you know, I, and, and that's a really common theme. I, I, you know, after doing this show for a couple of months now and, you know, meeting entrepreneurs over the last couple of years, the, the common trend is that entrepreneurship is, you know, it comes from an early age, right? Like we either start selling stuff like candy in school or picking up odd jobs. I can relate. I did kind of like the same things as you did uh, early on, right? Like how could I make money? Kind of kind of mentality, right? So do you believe entrepreneurship is taught or do you believe that you're born an entrepreneur? Uh, this is funny, right? Because this is like one of those age old questions. And me and my wife go back and forth with this. Um, I honestly think it's more so taught, but I don't think purposely, right? I think you have these things that happen in your life. Like we're all on this journey and whether you pick up on the signs or not, that's on you. And it wasn't until I was, you know, 20, you know, I'm 27 now. So I was probably like 22, 21, you know, before I started realizing the signs, that's, you know, one of the things I can, I, I can't attribute much to network marketing because I never really made any money. But one thing it did teach me is, um, uh, you know, self-development with uh, personal development and Jim Rohn and, you know, all the classics, Les Brown and all those things. And when I started realizing these things, I started realizing what was possible. And then when you realize what is possible, you look back on these things that have happened in your life and you see that it's e even more so possible than you think. It's just really on a bigger scale because I've been doing what I'm doing this day. It's just it looked a little bit different. So I think it's it's more so a learned thing, right? And I think everybody has the power. We're all given a gift. Uh, you know, it's just figuring out what that is and, you know, tying those dots together along your journey of life in general. Um, I, I think more so. I don't think that they're born. I think everybody has the power to. Mm. So anybody can be an entrepreneur. They just anybody. have to pick up on those signals. Yeah, absolutely. So East Tennessee, 
you get in your car, right? You you you, you drive down to Houston, thousand bucks in the bank account. Uh, did you have a job? Um, you know what? What what came after that, right? Like when you got to Houston, where did you live? Like what kind of things were you doing? Yeah, so it's it's funny you ask this, and I think I I think one of my you know things that helped me was being so young and dumb. I was nineteen at the time, and so I was actually waiting tables at Cracker Barrel, um, which is crazy to think about. Um, and I had been working there, and I was supposed to transfer jobs. Well, how it works with transfers is you know my manager from there would call the manager here. Well, leading up, I kept telling my manager, I need you to reach out, need you to reach out. Well, he never did. I guess he didn't think that I was leaving. It's just, you know, being in a small town, people just you leaving is like one of the craziest things ever to some people. And so it was like the week before. And he finally like realized like, oh, like he's really leaving. So he reached out to my manager down here. And that manager was on a three week vacation with his family. So I I literally when I moved because I'd already planned everything else. Um, I wasn't guaranteed a job. I remember when I came here, they did, they, I went to the restaurant. They had no idea who I was. They hadn't heard anything. Um, and then they told me to just come back in two weeks. Whenever my manager, when the manager was back, I did. Um, I sat down with him and, you know, it was just kind of like, Hey, I do work here. He finally got a hold of my manager. So I had a job, but you know, it's crazy because the first, uh, even after he gave me a job, they couldn't get me on the schedule for another two weeks. So I think it was like five weeks. I didn't really have a job when I moved here. My dad was a tow truck driver. So I literally to make money and help pay bills would go with him on these sketchy repo jobs. Like the thing you see on like TV. Um, And bro, when I tell you the stories, like in those five weeks, I was so ready to go wait tables Cause you know, we had some incidents. My dad got in a fight with a guy one night, like trying to take his truck at two in the morning. It was just sketchy, bro. Like, no way. So, <laughs> yeah, wait, so. <laughs> wait, 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 before you move on. So you're, you're doing repos with your dad overnight. Overnight. Yeah. In I'm Houston. like staying up. Yeah. And you know how Houston being in a big city, there's crime. Like, Wait, wait, what, what parts of town were you going to do these repos at? Well, well, first, like when I moved here, my dad lived in a leaf. So we did some over there. Oh, we did some out in, the, out in the country, like just all over. A leaf. So my oh. first apartment was right on the border of a leaf. And then yeah. it gets sketchy over there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah, that's a man. That's a that's a high risk job right there, bro. Yeah, you know, just trying to survive and just, you know, prove my worth really to my dad. You know, we didn't have the best relationship, but I was just trying to show him, you know, I, I'm not scared to work. Uh, but I'm not going to lie because I, I don't like confrontation. I'm an easygoing guy. It was a terrible five weeks. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I got waiting tables and, you know, I just kind of got stuck in that rat race. Just, you know, people ask, which, you know, what are you doing with your life? And it's, you know, well, I'm going to college. I'm going to be a petroleum engineer, but I'm waiting tables. You know, this, this story, but. I feel like a lot of people get caught in that rat wheel. And I, you know, I did so myself until, you know, I went to that seminar and, you know, got in network marketing and things like that. And, uh, you know, around that time, I had also met my, my fiance right now. I always say wife and, uh, you know, she definitely helped along and pushed me along that journey uh, to get to where I am now as well. That's awesome, man. You know, our stories have very, similar occurrences man 
like pretty parallel. It's actually, um, it's actually, it's actually kind of freaky, man, because I myself moved to Houston with like, I think it was 1500 bucks, one bag. And I was, uh, I transferred my job from Yard House up in New York to Yard House in Houston. And I just kind of showed up and was like, what do I do now? You know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. So I can definitely relate to you and in, in the, the feelings and the emotions of, of making that move. Right. It's a big deal, especially when you're, you know, in 20, I was 24 at the time, you know, but anywhere between like 18 and 25. Right. Like leaving the house for the first time. Uh, yeah. going to a different city, new place, new surroundings. Like it's a big deal. But when you have that drive and that fuel behind you, right. And you have like a purpose and a mission, uh, you know, it just, it makes it a lot easier to get through yeah. and get by. So how did you end up going from Cracker Barrel to, um, that restaurant we worked out together? What did that look gotcha. like? Gotcha. So, uh, you know, I have this thing that I always say, uh, whether what, no matter what you believe, higher calling, you know, I don't want to get super religious. Uh, me personally, I believe in God. And I just always say, if you don't want to move, sometimes God moves you. Right. Mm. And so I, I had been at Cracker Barrel, I think three years and I probably would have died there, man. I'm not even going to lie. Like it was security. I made my money. It was a, a long ta like a hard job because I just would work like four doubles a week and just get in, get out, and then do school the rest. And I got fired, man. <laughs> like uh, basically, there was like an we got a new manager, and then there was an incident. And basically, I just I tried to steal some food, and I was sneaky about it. And uh, they they caught me and they fired me. Right, and it was like some hash browns. <laughs> it was so stupid, bro. They fired so you over some hash browns. Bro, fired me over some hash browns. Best thing ever is. happened. <laughs> That's how it is in the <laughs> restaurant world, right? Like, I had a buddy that got fired for taking a bowl of rice out the window because he was starving, right. you know? I mean, look, for those of you that are listening that have never worked in a restaurant, you're pulling an eight-hour shift. Sometimes you don't get a break. You're freaking hungry, man. You're hungry. You, you, wanna, you Bro, see I'm a, food I'm a big boy. <laughs> I'm a big boy. I got to eat, you know? Oh, yeah, and, man. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. I got fired. I got fired. And then uh, I worked like a couple Italian jobs in between uh, like Italian restaurants, not like driving Mini Coopers. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, uh, you know, and then in between those restaurants, I met my wife and then I ended up working at Cracker Barrel or uh, Yard House. I'm sorry. And then, you know, that's where I met you and Nicole. And um, literally when I started there, I remember it's funny because I had another job that I was working um, and I got fired from it, too. For basically, I had a table walk out on me, and they were trying to say that I was I stole the you know like pocketed the money. You know how it is mm -hmm. in restaurants, but basically, they were saying that they paid with cash. I pocketed the money, which if if you know me, even though I just told you I got stole for for stealing hash browns, I would never steal money or anything like that. That's just not how I was raised. And um, yeah, I lost that job, and I ended up at Yard House. Well, literally, when I got hired, I remember requesting the weekend off to go to that seminar. It was right around that time. And, uh, yeah, I was working at yard house and honestly, I got comfortable there too. And like, after I went to the seminar, I, you know, I was like, I'm going to take action. And, you know, for eight months I just studied and I never did anything. Mm. And, um, you know, I just got to the point where I needed to take action and I was just comfortable making money. Well, then same thing as, you know, with restaurants, we got a new manager and that manager, like we bumped heads. I hate it. And, um, 
yeah, I was like, I got to make it like, I got to do something right. Like I said, I'm going to do it. Am I really about it? And then, uh, one day my wife was having a terrible day and, uh, basically she was like, you need to, you know, shut, shut the fuck up about real estate or, you know, take action. But either way, it's one or the other. And, uh, you know, once again, I got moved and, uh, I took action and, you know, sent out some letters. And once I did that and I got a few leads, it made me realize that, you know, it is actually possible. It's real. I just needed some, some signals to tell me like, is this really a scam or is it not? Right. Like, did you see a lot of like smoke and mirrors in real estate? And it's hard to tell, like, even to this day, who's really making money, who's just showing off for Instagram. Um, so that just kind of proved that it was real, but that's kind of how I went, you know, it was waiting tables. I went to that seminar, waited tables, didn't do anything, but studied every day, all day until my wife gave me a swift kick in the butt mm. and I took action. That's what the grind's all about, man. You know, one of my mentors taught me early on that everybody in life will eventually have a fuck this moment. And if you're listening right now and you haven't had that fuck this moment yet, don't worry, it's coming. It's but, coming. <laughs> you know, your fuck this moment was the manager. You were bumping heads. You know, you probably didn't want to work there anymore. And you're like, fuck this. I'm out of here. I'm going to just go do real estate full time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's the, that's the push you need. And also, like you said, your wife gave you that kick in the butt, man. I think having, uh, you know, a significant other that supports you and, you know, lets you know when you're fucking up and lets you know what you should do next and, you know, constantly empowers you to, uh, become the best version of yourself is super important, man. Well, what are your thoughts on that? Like significant others, entrepreneurship, that whole kind of deal. Yeah, I think it like I just I base my life around these few principles that I've learned over the last couple of years. And I'm sure you could attest to this. Um, and that, that's why I say entrepreneurs can be made right. Anybody can be one. It's just a lot of people aren't willing to make the sacrifices. And when I say sacrifices, I don't mean just the work. Right. I, I have no problem working. I know I'm lazy, but I work smart and I don't mind working. Right. Like my problem is really that I know that I'm lazy now. So instead of doing the manual labor, I work with my head, right? I think about things. How can I leverage this to make more money? But what it goes back to is 90% of why people fail or don't even get started is their shitty environment, man. Like me and my wife talk about this, even with simple things. Um, You know, people are scared, even when it comes to like family members, like I just, I'm such a big, like, control my environment and my space that I don't let like any negativity like my friends like I was I have a joke with them that like I get the measles when I hear negativity and they always laugh but they know that I'm serious like I don't watch the news like especially right now I don't watch the news I don't listen to negative things like if you have something negative to say about somebody else I don't want to hear it like because I don't care like if you don't you know pay my bills or help me make money or you know better or speak positivity at least you know, I don't really want you to be around. And I think there's a couple like simple principles that you could live, even if you didn't want to be an entrepreneur, if you just lived your life by, you would live, you know, 10 to 30% happier just from removing negative people. Or, I mean, you know how it is, even in restaurants, like everybody works. I, I never understood why people work all day and then they go spend half of what they made at night drinking with people that they just worked all day with that they don't even like. They just want something to do. And like, Things like that never like I always wanted to just come home and spend time with my family or, you know, work on something bigger. I just I always saw the bigger picture 
Um, but I think by removing negativity is like one of the hardest and easiest things to do in your life. Just most people don't want to do it. Mm, man, some powerful, powerful statements there. And a lot of golden nuggets in what you just said, man. I think one of the reasons, Derek, why people make poor choices like going out after a shift and spending all their money that they just made for is misguidance, right? Like just misguidance and a lack of financial education. I really believe that, man. Like if you take a look at the way the school system is set up, very few schools offer you know, financial literacy courses or entrepreneurship courses or how to start a business course, right? Uh, I mean, I believe Rich Dad, Poor Dad should be a part of the curriculum in public schools, right? Like schools teach people to become workers and there's, there's nothing wrong with that, you know? But what about the people that don't want to go that route. Like what about the people that want to start their own thing or, you know, become their own boss? Because I mean, I believe this is just my personal opinion that not everybody's a, a good worker. Not everybody is good at being told, uh, given instructions. Like some people are, are really good at delegating to people and running teams and organizations and things like that. So, I mean, I think it has a lot to do with the, what we're taught. Cause like you said, at the beginning of the podcast, it took you 17 years to learn that you did not have to go to college to make money. Like that's a, that's a problem, man. Like right. that's a problem, but you're not the only one. There's like, there's millions of kids that are, that think the same way. Like they don't know about starting a business or going to a real estate seminar. Or, they just don't know better. So those people that are spending money on, you know, the newest Gucci sneakers or going out to the clubs. I mean, it's just a lack of information, you know, and a lack of patience, I think, too. A lot of people don't have patience, man. Patience is important. Everybody wants the overnight success. Everybody wants the instant gratification. You know, very few people are like us that we're willing to put in the time, right? Because where you are now, your journey started four or five years ago, right? Four or five years of grind, man. So, you know, I think that, you know, then that's why I like what you do. You know, I like what you do and, you know, you're, you're, you're teaching the people, you're, you're inspiring the people, you're sharing your wisdom and your knowledge. And I'm sure you get a lot of fulfillment from doing that, from helping people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And even, you know, talking about the schooling thing, this is something I work on with my son. And, you know, I know you had your first little one. I have another one on the way. Uh, but it's just like, you know, it took me 17 years to learn that message. And then it took me five more years to even believe that it was possible, right? Seeing you quit your job, seeing you come into work and like, know you're doing real estate deals, other people that I was surrounded around. Uh, I remember you used to throw like networking events and just meeting other mm -hmm. people there, uh, you know, things like that. But even with my son, these, this is like things that I'm teaching him now, right? If I could have learned these things at his age. Uh, you know, even doing little things when it's around uh, Black Friday and things like that, we'll go to Walmart and buy things to flip. Um, you know, I'll lend him money, like just teaching him these things. We've already listened. He's eight and uh, he's already listened to Rich Dad Poor Dad twice. We're on our third time going through it. And he understands um, it's just that guidance. And, you know, not that my parents, I think this is the thing, right, is people get mad, right? They get mad because of their childhood and they get mad that their parents didn't teach them people around you and people that you grew up with, they love you, but love to them is they're scared, right? Because they don't want you 
for one, to outdo them. And number two, they don't even think it's really possible. So this, they tell you to be safe, right? And it's the same with our parents, right? Even if I tell my mom certain things about money now, right? She doesn't necessarily want to hear what I have to say because she's never truly seen that or been taught those things, right? And so when she advises me, I know that it comes from a place of love, but however, it may not be the right thing, right? And it's like, just because someone loves you doesn't mean that they're still giving you the best advice, right? So um, that guidance is, is so critical. That's powerful, man. That's powerful. So let's talk about the moment that you decided like, okay, I'm not going to do the restaurant anymore. You went to the seminar, you learned about real estate. Like, what did it look like? Did you wait until you did your first deal to quit your job? Or did you just jump head in and, you know, waited until you did that first deal and then got paid? Gotcha. So it was a little bit of both, uh, to be honest. So, I, you know, I said I went the eight months. After that, I, I took action. I sent out some letters. I found out it was possible. And that was the end of, uh, I don't know the exact dates, but it was five years ago, right? And I basically said it January, uh, you know, I'm going to, I think it was January 16th. Yeah, January 2016. I'm going to commit myself to this business a hundred percent. Right. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to, if I'm going to send out marketing, it's going to be every week or every three weeks or whatever that may be. Uh, I'm going to commit myself around that time. My wife had met someone, um, you know, that had been in the business and he kind of guided me and I basically just told him, Hey, look, I'll bring you deals, but I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, so that's what we did. And so from January to June, um, I did that marketing. I went on a lot of appointments, but as you know, real estate is a numbers game. And, you know, I probably went on 20, 30 houses before I even got one that was worth it. And so what happened was, and I think this is very powerful, is that it was a week before my 24th birthday and, or 23rd birthday and um, 23rd or 24th. But basically I was at my breaking point. So I'd been doing this for six months. I was still waiting tables. I was putting, my, you know, I had already invested probably a couple thousand, uh, you know, in marketing without seeing a reward. I was going on appointments, so that verified it was real. But I was literally to the point where I was like, I don't think this works. And once again, I just I had a breaking point. I literally I remember this breaking down in my kitchen, crying. And if you guys watch this video, you'll see I'm not a small guy. I'm six four you know, 300 plus pounds. Like I'm a big dude Definitely. crying like a baby. The people, they can't see, but well, if they're watching a video, cause you sitting down, but Derek is a big dude. Man. He's a yeah. big dude, like a tank. Right. Crying, right. crying, angry, right. frustrated. I ain't making it's no fun. money. This, this, this sucks. <laughs> Fuck yeah, this. Like this is, I know. Damn. <laughs> But it, I, I attested to my five feet from gold moment, right? Because literally I went on an appointment. I think it was the next day or the day after. Mm. And then uh, my mentor went with me and we walked the house. The, the seller didn't seem that motivated. And, you know, I just I chalked it off as like, it's just I'm not going to get a deal. I was just kind of checked out, but I was still marketing. And uh, he called me on my birthday. Like I said, I think it was my my 24th birthday. Yeah. And, uh, I remember at the gym and he was like, Hey, I, you know, we got that deal. Uh, I sold it for you. I know it's your birthday. Happy birthday. But I got, I literally got my first real estate deal on my 24th birthday and we closed it about two weeks later. And uh, I think we made $8,000 and we split that 50, 50. 
And then I went on to do, I think, one or two more deals. And then I quit my job. Like I, I was already because this is the thing. Like they were trying to they wanted me to become a trainer and like move up, right? And I told them, like, guys, in January, I told them, You give me six to eight months, I'm not even gonna be working here. Like I love you guys, I'm gonna give it everything I got until then, but I don't wanna move up. Well, eventually they kept nagging at me, kept nagging at me. And then in June, around when I got that deal, they were like, well, we want you to be a trainer, but it doesn't seem like you're committed. Like they wanted me to go even more so above and beyond. Like they were dangling it in my face. Mm -hmm. And me, I'm not an ultimatum type person. So I was like, I don't like, fuck, I don't really care. Like I'm quitting. So I was just trying to help you guys. And it just got to that point where like, I remember literally my last week, bro, they messed up on the schedule twice. And basically the managers had made a mistake and they wanted me to come in, um, two hours early and open up and everything, which I was totally fine with. Like I'm a team player, but I was like, cool. Can you guys like buy me food or something? And they were like, yeah, we got you. So I did that. Well, the next week they did the same thing. Cause you know, they copy and pasted the schedule. Well, when I told them that I was like, cool, well, you guys don't mind buying, buying me food or whatever. And they were like, no, we're not doing any of that. So, and I was like, let me clarify. You want me to help you guys, even though you made a mistake, you're not taking ownership for it. And you want me to do it for free, right? Like not, and I had like closed like the night before. So you already know mm -hmm. I'm leaving at two, three in the morning. And you want me to be here at like seven thirty eight to get everything ready to open at 10. Right. And, um, I was like, bet. Right. <laughs> I was like, cool. And I, the next morning I woke up, I came in with a smile on my face. I bought breakfast for everybody. And, uh, I gave them my, I was like, today's my last day. And, uh, it was a smart and dumb decision. Cause then I was, it was do or die. I went to Mexico for like a week with my girl and then came back and like had to figure this whole thing out. And then basically the next two years were just a journey of ups and downs until I met my business partner. Boom. I love it, man. That's awesome. Um, let's talk about that journey, um, switching gears up a little bit. What would you say has been the most challenging part of your day-to-day -day hustle? Uh, consistency. Even me, I think that's why most people fail, but myself personally, just cause I'm lazy. Uh, like I said, I slept till like 11 today. <laughs> like I'm just, I'm lazy. But what, so it's like, you keep saying that, but what, what do you mean by lazy? Because for anybody that follows you on social media, I mean, you're, you put in hustle, right? You put in the work. So what, what is the lazy what, – what, what do you mean by I'm lazy? Gotcha. Well, I say more so now just because this whole quarantine and nobody's working. Um, so it's even more – it's harder. My wife's home all day. My son's not in school. So I, I want to spend time with them right. and still be productive. Uh, but when I say lazy, it's like, if I don't make a to-do list during the day, nothing is going to get done. Okay. Right. Because I, gotcha, I, gotcha. I, I, I just need some framework. Right. Because if I don't have framework, nothing will ever get done. And I say lazy because I know that about my personality. But if I plan out my week and I have things to do, that's when people see me. Like if you ever see me and I don't post in a couple of days, my life isn't that exciting. So if you guys just want to see me sitting in the house, like I can post that, but it, you know, but you know, it's mainly that I know that I'm not going to get up and get it. Like I hate mornings. I'm not an early bird. I'd rather stay up at night. So I make myself take my son to school. So then I go to the gym. So then it's like, I've already been so productive. I might as well knock out some work. Um, you know, doing those little mind tricks and things like that, because I know naturally my personality, like even as a kid, I remember waking up, having to wake up at like seven in the morning on the farm. And I hated it every day. It never got easier. 
Like it just sucked every day, but I had to do it. And if I give myself that same framework as an adult, uh, you know, and, and same thing, like even with waiting tables, the reason I would always work four doubles every, every week is because then I knew I had three days to myself, whether that was for schoolwork or whatever it may be. Like I've always been okay with eating shit as long as it benefited me long term. Um, so it's like, I am lazy, but I know how to, how to, you know, train myself. So I'll be more productive. Like I said, it's a little harder right now being quarantined, but, mm-hmm. um, normally, normally I can say I'm more productive. Um, but we're still knocking things out for sure. So you find that consistency is a challenge for you because, you know, you need that framework where it's like, okay, this is what I'm going to do at 10 o'clock. Then 12 o'clock, I have this meeting. Two o'clock, I got to go to this property, so on and so forth. And without that, you know, you kind of just spin the wheels and you're like, I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to hang out kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then nothing gets done. Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because yeah. if not, it's going to be a lot of – I think if people get confused in uh, grinding and actually being productive, right? And I could always look like I'm working and I'm not really doing anything. But if I actually have something that I can look back on and see, okay, well, this week I actually did get a lot accomplished. Um, you know, that also helps too, because then you become more confident in yourself. You're more willing to try and take on more things. So, you know, what is my weakest point? I've turned into one of my more strength, one of my biggest strengths. And it's really just a little adjustment of making a daily to-do list, which is another one of those principles. Like I talk about, it's so easy. But most people won't take, and it doesn't have to be crazy, five daily to-dos that move you forward toward your goal. Mm-hmm. But most people don't even want to take that time because they're like, well, I'm too busy. When really they're just watching Tiger King and whatever else, you know? <laughs> Dude, no. And, and Derek, man, you're self-aware, right? You're self-aware. And that right there is going to be one of your biggest assets because so many people are not self-aware. They haven't came to that realization yet. They haven't accepted you know, the, the flaws that they do have. And when you accept and you learn who you are as a person, man, especially in business is when you really win. Right. Like for me, I hate mornings. Like I honestly don't think I'm ever going to be a part of the 5am club. I just don't like mornings. I don't like them at all. I like, I enjoy the nighttime genuinely. Like last night, I think I was up until like three, four o'clock in the morning working. You know, or even if I'm just playing video games or watching TV, whatever it is, I just enjoy it. And and I think there's nothing wrong with that. Like you don't have to necessarily be a 5 a.m. type of person. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gary V once said, it's not about what time you wake up. It's about what you do with the hours when you're awake. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's going to be one of your biggest assets, bro. Honestly. You know, is accepting yeah. that, you know, hey, you don't want to wake up at six in the morning. <laughs> you don't have to, right? <laughs> especially with the quarantine. You know, I mean, there's not I don't think there's anything wrong with that personally. I mean, that's one of the arguments. Right. Um, and I would say that there's an exception. I'm sure you would agree with this. If obviously if you have a closing. Right. Or, yeah, or a meeting, yeah. you know, at 9 a.m., 10 a.m. Well, you're going to make sure you're up for it. You know, but, um, everybody's different, man. We're all different. That's what makes us unique. Right. So consistency is the key. I, I, man, I agree. I agree so much. Uh, Derek, what would you tell somebody listening to this right now, whether they're on Apple, Spotify, or YouTube, by the way, 
subscribe to the podcast, please. Uh, what would you tell that person out there that hasn't gotten started yet? They've listened to you. They've heard your story. They're freaking inspired. They're ready to go crush it, but they just don't know what to do. They don't have, they don't have a clue. Yeah, I think is uh, giving yourself a logical framework, right? And what I mean by that is uh, it's this analogy that I heard in a podcast, and I really wish that I could credit them. But basically, they were just talking about entrepreneurship and taking action on something. And a lot of it is like a boat trying to dock, right? And you need to be close enough to that object where if you fall in the water, you're not going to drown, but you're close enough that you can make it and succeed. And so with that, I mean taking action and how you get to that point is doing your your study right so let's figure out what it is that we want to do whether that's real estate stocks podcasting building a brand whatever that is and then once we figure out what it is that we want to do let's go ahead and and plan that out right what does it look like right what are the steps i need to do my first real estate deal and when you figure that out, let's get super focused, right? So I know for me, I, when I got started, I learned about wholesaling. I knew I had no money. This was the best strategy for me. I went 110% deep on that. Now, after I did that for you know three plus years and I felt comfortable, I then took action on something else, fix and flip and buying rentals and things of that nature. But I think it, it was, I was close enough you know, to take action. I had studied every podcast there was before I took action. I was to the point where all I literally needed to do was take action and thank God for my wife. She helped me realize that once I took action, I was super focused on that action until six months. And then after that, I started learning new skills and building consistency in my business to doing deals on a regular basis. And, you know, I think it's just that getting that ship close enough to dock and being able to take action on it once you're there. Uh, because at, at the end of the day, you, you're going to get to a point in this, journey where you have this idea right and you want to do these certain things but then you have to look at yourself and ask yourself are you really about it because a lot of people aren't and that's totally fine not everybody's meant to be an entrepreneur some people are meant to be ceos i think whatever it is in life you're trying to do you need to be progressing because as humans we're the only thing in nature after like really 18 years of schooling that we quit growing most people never read a book again since high school i've probably read more since than i ever did in high school um so it's about that progression and, and keeping focus and then once you do that other things are going to open up naturally like with my personal brand and what i plan on doing with it and youtube and you know things of that nature um you get some assistance along the way but opportunity always find those that are in the right place and to be in the right place you have to take action at some point mm. speaking of books man have you read this one yet the Millionaire Fastlane. I have not. Derek, I have not. you need to order this right now. <laughs> this book, shout out to MJ DeMarco. This book right here is, the, is this is the grail. I, I'm okay. actually, blo like every time I go through this book right here, I'm blown away with how somebody can put these thoughts on a, Into. On a, paper, on a piece of paper. It's like... Dude, you got to get this book, man. But talking to some book uh, about books, um, I always like to ask uh, our guests, you know, their favorite books. So what are some of the most inspirational, educational books that you would recommend to somebody else? 
Gotcha. So one of the first ones I was saying, it was one of the first books I read. So maybe this is why it's so impactful. Uh, but one of the first self or personal development books that I really read kind of applies to business and life in general is The Slight Edge. And I cannot think of the author's name. Um, amazing book. Um, I would also say The Four Spiritual Laws of Prosperity. That's just a good book on how to live your life. It talks about tithing and all these other things that I kind of do that I don't know how they work. And I don't think you're supposed to understand how they work. They just work. Wait, talk, um, talks about what? I'm sorry. Tithing, like just giving money 10%, whether that's to a church, to, you know, people in need, whatever it may be. It just kind of breaks down that uh, being a good person. Uh, it just goes over four spiritual laws that you can live your life off of. Mm, um, okay. And yeah, uh, another one would be the go giver. Um, that book is just amazing in the aspect of we live in this society where everybody is worried about there not being enough. And I kind of live in a world of abundance, right? Um, there's enough for everybody. And that book talks about how if you just keep giving and don't worry about it, it's going to come back. And I could give you some crazy examples of how this has worked in my life, but um, it's just been uh, uh, those those books for sure. Obviously, we could say Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That's an, that's like the, the Bible. Of, yeah. Yeah, but, no, uh, I appreciate those. those. Yeah, I actually, yeah. personally, I, I haven't heard of those uh, books. Um, that's why I love that question because, you know, there's always another book out there that you haven't read. And uh, I'm going to check those out. The Go-Giver definitely sounds like something I would be interested in, man. So I'm going to definitely mm-hmm. check that one out, man. Um, do you have any figures, you know, public figures that you tune into and get advice from, uh, you know, on social? Like, who, who are you following nowadays? Gotcha. So uh, when I started this journey, I basically, like I said, cutting people out of my life, the influences out of my life as well. Um, so basically if you saw what I follow, it's basically workout pages, um, motivation and entrepreneurship. And then obviously a bunch of real estate people that we probably all follow as well. Um, but you know, big ones, obviously, I mean, if we're doing real estate space, uh, you know, Sean Terry, Steve train, um, you know, Max Maxwell, he's kind of like the person who I've my whole business model and doing the personal brand and giving everything away. Um, really good. And then if you look at like even bigger figures, obviously Gary B cause he lives that whole the go giver giving out personal advice, uh, you know, Grant Cardone, uncle Grant, like, you mm-hmm. know, just a killer in the real estate space. Um, you know, those are a few, but I, I mean, I, I have plenty and like, I even look at mentors and stuff. Like I have plenty of those people that I know in real life that people would never know. And they're stupid wealthy, um, you know, even yourself, you played a big j- part of my journey, you know, with, with being involved in real estate and just being able to reach out when I have questions and things like that. Thank you. So, I mean, I, I yeah, absolutely. And so I, I just, I, I look at like a lot of people, I just kind of take, I think that's how it should be. Everybody, nobody's going to be able to recreate you. So it's like, we take a little bit from everybody and just kind of make our own thing. I think that's how it should be, to be honest. How do you stay so humble? with everything that you know you're doing and the money you're making (laughs) how do you stay grounded and humble and you know just just cool gotcha that's an amazing question because that's something i take pride in is uh, my authenticity but i think a couple of things i think one growing up with a single mother is a very humbling life experience in general 
Uh, number two, I've been blessed to be surrounded around the right people. And then number three would go back to my mom as where she always taught me um, basically like you don't give a fuck what other people think. Right. And I think another thing is like so many people in life base their decisions off of what other people think. And when I first moved to Houston, I used to be big into designer and like all these things. And I didn't even make that much money. And now as I've gone in my journey, like I said, the more wealthy individuals that I meet, those that actually like really have money, they don't just show it. They're regular people and they don't care about the things that you think that they would like. Um, you know, we have some friends that my son goes to school with and they're extremely wealthy and they're the you if you met them on the street, you would never know. And they could afford a lot of things and they don't like the dude drive, like he just bought a new truck and he drove an old beat up Toyota for probably 20 years while owning Ferraris and stuff like that as well. It's just it's like when you get older in life and you get around these more wealthy people, you just realize like what's truly important. And I think all money does is just give you the opportunity of choice, right? Uh, the same way that you can go back from New York to Texas, the same way that I can book a family vacation. I'm not worried about having another kid, right? Or buying another house. Um, it just gives you these choices. And I think it, it's just a tool. And it's also just an energy, right? As quick as it goes, I've got the knowledge. I can make it back. So mm. I think, uh, yeah, I just I come from humble beginnings and I don't think, any amount of money that I make is going to change who I am. I mean, I might buy certain nicer things, but a lot of the things people care about, I just, it doesn't do anything for me. I get joy from those moments, right? Seeing your success, seeing my success, helping people get their first deal. That's why I really started doing my brand. I love seeing other people succeed. Boom. I love it, man. Uh, Derek, let's talk about the finish line, right? You're a young cat. Got plenty of years ahead of you. Where are you going to be in 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now? What's your what's your brain going to look like? What's the organization going to look like? What kind of goals do you have for yourself? Gotcha. So, I, I mean, I have some really big goals, but the older I get, I realize they're maybe not as big as they should be because you start realizing things aren't as hard to obtain uh, as you once thought they were. So I'd say, you know, in five years, we're going to have more businesses, obviously. Um, I'm working on a couple this year, one being my personal brand and another is uh, looking at getting into the trucking industry, just having some friends over there. And then, um, you know, my wife and I just have a plan of seven businesses, right? Seven sources of income. So, you know, buying more franchises and things like that, um, more businesses and and doing more creative, just creating content. It's something that I've truly fell in love with as much as I have real estate. And, uh, I've always been a talker, which is a good and a bad thing. And I've always been a straight shooter, which is another good and bad thing. Um, but I think people relate a lot with me because I am so authentic and, uh, I just want to grow that, see where it takes me, uh, you know, obviously make more money, travel the world, but just, you know, be, a, I, I want to be the same as I am, but better, right? Like I want to be a better father, a better husband a better businessman. Um, I'm sure I'm going to take some losses along the way, but you know, those are just lessons. So I just want to be, you know, even more so fulfilled. Uh, you know, that's really it. Mm. Um, more, more businesses with that will come more money and more problems and all that. So I just want to keep progressing. I don't think that they're the finish line just keeps moving. Right. I don't, even if we made it to the finish line, people like us wouldn't be happy. 
without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, it, you know, it's more metaphorically, Forkly. yeah, metaphorical because obviously, you know, for people like us, there's no finish line, but mm-hmm. it's good to have that goal in mind so that you know when you've achieved what you've wanted to achieve, right? And it's like the question is like, how do you know when you're successful? Well, if you don't have a goal, you'll never know because it's like, all right, well, I made a million dollars, but my goal was $5 million. Am I successful? Yeah, well, I didn't hit the exactly. goal, right? So uh, I know you have some big things planned for you, man, and I can't wait to take a look at your journey over the next couple of years, man. Of course, we're going to stay connected. The people are going to want to be connected with you as well. Uh, y'all can follow Derek on Instagram, flipping a house, right? Flipping a house yeah, on Instagram. One- Yes, sir. One word. Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Uh, what happens when you start regular. flipping hotels and apartment buildings? Right. You have to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Flipping a hotel. <laughs> right. I get those questions a lot. I don't know. I mean, hopefully it'll just be its own brand. And uh, I don't know. Maybe no, we'll start dude, something It's a else. great name, man. I'm just messing with you, man. It's a great, it's a great name, dude. Uh, Derek, I ask every guest this question on the show. I'm going to ask you, of course, and I want you to take about few seconds to think about it because uh, uh, yeah you know it's gonna get deep you ready for it okay. yeah let's hear it in your entire life how old are you now 27 about to be 28 27 years man 27 years on this earth what is the absolute best advice that you've ever received that oh, is a good one I think uh, I think I'm just gonna have to go with what I, you know, what I said a minute ago. It's like my mom taught me is like, don't give a fuck what other people think, man. I think it's one of the most freeing feelings when you don't have to answer or make choices based on what other people think. Um, I just, yeah, I just growing up in a small town, status was everything, and then like being in Houston. I realized like no matter how good you think you got it, somebody always has it better than you or more money than you. I mean, there's being in Houston and New York, there's billionaires here, not with an M, but with a B. So I think if you can learn to love yourself and, you know, not really care what other people think, you can make clearer choices. I definitely think that you should take advice from people smarter than you. Um, But if somebody isn't making more money than you or not where you want to be in life, like I don't really think that you should, uh, you should you should really care what they think, man. Boom. And with that being said, Derek, thank you so much for being on the Started Somewhere show. It was an absolute pleasure to have you here, man. And uh, thank you for sharing all of your very, very valuable information with the people. And of course, we'll see you later. Absolutely, my man. Thank you. Take care. All right, all right. And that wraps up episode number 12 of the Started Somewhere podcast, y'all. I want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for tuning in, checking out the show, and sticking with me all the way to the end. Now, of course, my friends, we're going to keep the content rolling. I have so many new episodes planned, so subscribe to the show, and I'll see you in the next episode. Take care.